it's time for another episode of After the Buzzer. Hello, everybody. My name is Jack, alongside my colleague Tyler. After the buzzer is back. It's been a long hiatus. We've been gone for quite some time, uh, but we've rebranded ourselves with a new structure and detail uh, in place, and we are ready to get back behind the microphone and bring you some of the best sports content around. Tyler, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing awesome, Jack. I'm really excited to get this thing started again, and. Uh... We got a lot of a lot of updates for you guys. A lot of news going on. We're going to start with the MLB. MLB is in full swing here in early August, but we're going to return with a good little good little segment here. Uh, division update. We're going to go division by division, giving our thoughts on how each team has performed thus far. We're comparing to what expectations were at the starting of the start of the season, what the rosters look like, and really what have been the strengths and weaknesses of these clubs and just everything going around uh, with all 30 teams in Major League Baseball. We're going to start it uh, in the AL East. We're going to go from worst to first in each division. Tyler, we're going to start with your favorite team's arch rival, the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox have to be up there with one of the most disappointing teams in baseball. I mean, the expectations were high after going to the ALCS last year uh, and falling to Houston, who went on to lose the World Series to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Braves. Congratulations to them, although they are a rival of my favorite team, and we'll get into that division in a little bit. But the Red Sox expectations were certainly high entering 2022, and to this point, they have not met them sitting at the basement spot in the American League East. Really, what hasn't gone wrong on the pitching side? Chris Sale came back. Chris Sale got hurt. Thought he'd come back at some point this season, but a couple of days ago, he got in a bike accident, injuring his wrist, which is resulting in him getting surgery. Now he'll be done for the rest of the season. So a guy who signed a long-term contract with Boston has not spent a lot of that time of the contract on the field. Uh, And Boston's pockets are paying the price for that. But really overall, the Red Sox, it's just been one thing after another. Where will the future of this franchise be with Bogarts being a free agent? J.D. Martinez coming off the books this offseason. What will Bloom in that front office do? Will Alex Cora's job security be in question? Uh, But to this point of the season... Right now, the Red Sox definitely have been very disappointing. Yeah, and also, too, not only have they been, like, at the at the bottom of the AL East, quite frankly, they have been, but uh, the plays that you see them making, the losses they have are embarrassing. They're almost not MLB level. I mean, some of the videos we've seen this season already of the errors they're making in the outfield, I mean, how many dropped fly balls have they had already? So, uh, you know, I like watching it because, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Red Sox guy. Um but you know they're uh, they're they're not a. Uh, I feel like they always have this every couple of years too. They're either at the top of the AL East or at the bottom. They're not normally in the in the middle mix. So maybe next year they'll be back at the top. Who knows? And that's been something we've seen under the Alex Cora era. First year won the World Series in eighteen. Uh, Nineteen a little bit of a fall off, especially everything that happened in twenty twenty. The COVID year you can't really evaluate that. Twenty twenty one. Everything was back to the highs. Everything was really good. They made the playoffs. They went far. And now this year, it's been another disappointing season. So it's really inconsistent in their Alex core for the Red Sox. It's like one season, they achieve really great things. And the next season, it's just 
where did things go wrong? Where did the where did the train fall off the tracks for this team? The puzzle pieces are just not connecting this year. They don't have the same type of feel that they did last year. And for the Red Sox and their fan base, it's been it's been puzzling to see how bad they've been playing. You mentioned that outfield defense, and it has been atrocious. And I don't like to get on individual players and dog guys, but man, Jaron Duran, he has really played bad, and he's also had a bad attitude about it. He made a couple yep. of mistakes in Kansas City, misjudging some fly balls, and then he starts getting into it with some fans. You got to be a professional at that point. You're exactly. making mistakes. You got to be a professional ball player uh, and just move past it. You saw Alex Verdugo grabbing him and pulling him away from the situation. That's just not what you want to see. It's a bad look in your franchise, and you don't want players like that representing your team at the end of the day. So it's just overall bad look for the Red Sox, bad vibe around the team this year. Not saying it's the leadership that's been bad, but the play on the field has, and that's just a blatant fact. Yeah, especially for a young player, too. You kind of want to, don't want to set that image for you. Um, as you're developing through an organization. Um, but I think one word just to describe the Red Sox as we finish them up here is just inconsistency, as you touched on it before. I think that's the main thing is why they uh, why they sit at the bottom of the AL East. Well, we're going to shift focus. We're going to move on to the Orioles. And they have had Red Sox, most disappointing. Orioles, most surprising. No one expected the Orioles to be in this position at this point in the season. And you really saw an uptick in this team's play starting in June. You know, the first two months, it was a little bit rough. Uh, you know, it was what people expected the Orioles to be. Sitting at the bottom of the AL East, the pieces were going to start coming together, but you didn't think this team would be competitive for another year or two after this. Uh, but really, the things I'd like to see from this team, the bullpen. The bullpen has been the big strength, despite trading Jorge Lopez and the Twins at the deadline. They still have a lot of good pieces out there. Felix Bautista has to be uh, one of the biggest surprise relievers of the year. That guy has an insane arsenal of pitches. Uh, he's throwing up near 100 with that splitter. That is just nasty. Uh, he's a guy you, you know he can come in, and he can get the big outs too. I saw a stat earlier that his batting average of runners in scoring position is sub-200. Uh, it's somewhere down, I believe, in the 160s. I uh, don't exactly remember, but still, it's a phenomenal stat. Bautista's been very reliable out of that Orioles bullpen. Uh, and some of the pieces there, the younger guys, Adley Rutschman getting called up. Uh, he's finally here, and he's playing really well, too. I think he's very much sprung himself into the discussion of a top 10, maybe even top 5 catcher, just based on the weakness of the catching position around baseball. But, man, the Orioles have been something to see this year. They are an exciting ball club, and I think they have a very bright future ahead. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, bright future. Actually, funny enough, I think once they called up Rushman, I think that's kind of where the, the flip switched for them during the season. I feel like ever since he got called up, maybe he uh, lit a spark for the team. Um, but it just seems like ever since he came up, they've been on a tear. And like you said, they are a fun team to watch now. They are they are very exciting. And I'm going to say it, bold prediction here. Uh, maybe this could go into our hot take segment like we used to do. But I do think the Orioles could sneak in as a, as the last wild card spot this year. I do think. Because if, if they got hot like they've been doing these, these last couple of games, look out. I mean, yeah, that's certainly a great point. One thing I, I tend to look back on is their AL East play. They got absolutely thrashed by the Rays last year. I, I think the yeah. Rays went 18-1 and in their 19 games against the Orioles last year. I mean, it was just pure domination. But this year, the Orioles are hanging right in there with the Rays, hanging right in there with the Blue Jays. They're playing competitive with everybody in the division. They're giving the Yankees some problems. I, I mean, I wouldn't say they're 
anything significant of a threat to the Yankees, but when the Yankees and Orioles play... They're giving them fits. Exactly. There's some good matchups there, especially late in the game. Again, that go back to that Orioles bullpen. It's the biggest plus that this Orioles team has this year, and it's a weapon for a smaller team that doesn't spend a lot of money. If you have a good bullpen, you can definitely go places. Uh, if you have even a subpar lineup, because if you can lock it down late in games and have a lead, shut it down, gives your team a lot more wins uh, than losses if your bullpen was even more in the average tier or just not good in general. But the Orioles, bullpen's been a plus. Very surprising team, and I've liked what I've seen this far uh, from the Orioles. Let's see if they can keep it going uh, down the stretch of the season. But certainly a lot of positives uh, in Baltimore so far this year. Rays, we're moving to third place in the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays, and they have been plagued by injuries. Injuries have really hurt them this year, but they have been very competitive uh, despite that. Wander Franco's been in and out. He got hurt earlier in the year. Came back, got hurt again. Uh, not really sure his timetable to come back, but you know the Rays have really done a good job. They they just find ways to win. They find ways to be competitive. They're one of the the smallest market teams in Major League Baseball, and yet this front office and Kevin Cash have done a great job getting them far in the playoffs, consistently being in the playoffs. Uh, you you just got to tip your cap. You're getting what you're expecting from the Rays, and at the end of the day, whether they make it or miss it, they're going to be right in that wild card race right to the very end. Yeah, and uh, like you touched upon, small market team. No one really ever seems to talk about them, but they're always there. Um, you know, no cakewalk games when you're playing against the Rays. Uh, you're always going to battle it out to the end, especially my Yankees. They have a tough time playing against them. But um, like you said, they're going to keep it close right down to the wire. So uh, I think Orioles and Rays are going to hash it out for that last wild card spot in the East, in my opinion. Very interesting. I, I would agree with that. Uh, but now we're going to shift our focus now to Toronto, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays were a team that got off to a little bit of a shaky start. You know, the high expectations at the start of the season. Can this team push the Yankees for the division? Will this is this is this team the front runner? And a lot of people thought the Blue Jays were the front runners in the East. A lot of predictions at the start of the season, the Blue Jays are gonna win the American League East. They got they got better in the offseason. They made some good moves bolstering the rotation. Kevin Gosman, Yusei Kikuchi. Um, but the biggest question was the bullpen. And at the beginning of the year, the bullpen really faltered. Uh, but now they've gotten some momentum together. The pitching's been better. The lineup's been better. Um, they made some good moves at the deadline, getting Anthony Bass on the Marlins. Very solid reliever pickup there to bolster that back end, something they were lacking. Um, but this this Blue Jays team, top wild card in the American League. I don't see that position moving. The Mariners are right there with them. So are the Orioles and Rays. But I think when uh, the season's said and done, I think the Blue Jays are going to be that top wild card spot. Uh, and they will be playing the second wild card, whoever it may be right now, it would be Seattle. Um, but right now, I like what the Blue Jays are doing. It has a little bit inconsistent, but they're solidly in this playoff race. And overall, Blue Jays, I've liked what I've seen these last couple months. Yeah, um, like you said, off to a rough start. One uh, one guy I want to touch upon is uh, Alejandro Kirk, having a great season. Uh, it was named an all-star for the first time in his career. Um, he's been one consistent guy if you like all year long for uh, for the Blue Jays which is good um because they really haven't had one um and then I do want to touch on something me and Jack uh you know we talk a lot we were talking before the start of the season and we were having a discussion about my Yankees I know where this is going, going oh yeah we were going back and forth and I told Jack I was like Jack Yankees they're gonna be in first place in the AL East I'm telling you right now they are and not only are they going to be in first place, but they're going to be in first place by at least five games. And Jack, at the time, was like, dude, no way. No way. The Blue Jays are going to be right there, at least 
two games. At they're gonna that that whole year they're gonna fight within two games. I don't know, Jack. It's looking like I might take that. I think you are. But in fairness, you have to provide some context to the situation. It was early in the season. The Blue Jays hype was alive and well. And while it's still there's still some hype around this Toronto team, don't get me wrong, but not as much as there is around the Yankees, despite their scuffling, and we'll get to them in just a minute. But for Toronto, I mean, at the time, I thought it was a logical thing to say. I didn't think the Yankees were going to get off to that good of a start, and really everything went right for the Yankees in that first half, and they blew past everybody. Um, but Toronto is still a very solid ball club, just the Yankees have separated themselves from the pack uh, this year throughout the AL East play. Speaking of the Yankees, let's get right into them. Let's waste no time. Your favorite team and the top dog in the American League East by double-digit games right now. It's been, what what haven't you liked uh, besides these last couple months? I know we can get into that, uh, but really the first half of the year, everything went right for the Yankees. Uh, the new faces, gelled in well, played great. The bullpen, very solid. The starting rotation, very good as well. Everything was gelling together. Everything was great. Uh, and while some of those things remain true, they have not been able to keep everything together. And something I've noticed as a trend from the Yankees is that more recently, when one thing's clicking, the lineup hitting well, the starting pitching isn't great. When the starting pitching's good, the lineup can't hit. When both those things go well, the bullpen collapses. So really what's been the problem for the Yankees is that it's just been, you haven't been able to get consistent production from your three main groups of players on the team. It's been, like I said, I'm not going to go through through the examples again, but just inconsistency from one or multiple groups each and every night. Uh, and that's not a recipe for winning baseball. And while they still have such a big lead, big lead in the AL East, and I have full confidence they're going to win the division, shut it down right now um, here in early August. But still, it's not a promising sign after the deadline and going down the rest of the season for a team that was thought to run away as the top dog in the American League. There's a team down in Houston we're going to get to later that I think is better than the Yankees and that has had the Yankees number this season. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right in the head. Um, I mean, they were doing everything right for many weeks, many months to start the year. Um, and then, like you said, things started to fall off. Araldus Chapman struggled. Clay Holmes moved to closer. He thrived. Now Clay Holmes is struggling. Chapman still not the closer. Back to the closer. Now what are they going to do with Holmes? Um, Judge. I mean, he has been the one consistent. MVP should run away with it. Him and Alvarez are the two top dogs. Um, Can't count out Otani. And Otani, yes. Those, those will be the three finalists most likely barring any significant changes. Um, he has been insane, breaking all types of records in Yankee history, passing names of Roger Maris and Babe Ruth. So he's having a great year. Also, too, the Yankees starting to get the injury bug again, standing out. Uh, he was playing great before he got hurt, so that's a big blow. And uh, like you said, the bullpen hasn't been great lately. Starting pitching hasn't been great. Uh, they did acquire Frankie Montas. Uh Benintendi to help out the bats a little bit. So they made some good trades, hopefully help them out in the postseason. They got Bader, a good defensive guy uh, in the outfield. But um, I don't really like what I'm seeing lately from them as a Yankees fan, personally. Um, hopefully this is the only adversity they'll face in the season and it'll make them tougher for playoffs. But still think they'll definitely coast away with the with the AL East uh, 
you know, winning winning the AL East division. And you know, right now, if I had if I had to give my ALCS prediction, it's Yankees. It's Yankees Astros. It's just yeah. those two teams are that far superior than the rest of the league. That I exactly. think that's the only possible matchup at this point. I don't think the Twins or Guardians, whoever comes out of the Central as a division winner, is good enough to beat either of those teams. The Guardians have the pitching, but the lineup is in question. I mean, you have Jay Ram and, and, and Andres Jimenez thus far, but we're going to get to them in a little bit. Uh, but right now, I think the AL is just, it's been this way since the start of the season. It's still that way. It's going to be that way. It's the Astros and the Yankees and everybody else. So yep. going to be an interesting ride the rest of the way. I like how you mentioned those deadline moves. I think they're very solid. But the only question I have is, is Frankie Montas the most desirable number two starter come postseason time? Garrett Cole's really good. We know what Garrett Cole's all about. But when it comes to Frankie Montas, you're not really sure what you're going to get. There's some starts where he's really, really good. And there's some starts like you saw against the Cardinals where he's really, really bad and this stuff's not on. So hopefully the Yankees... Uh, pitching wizardry and finding different arms and being able to make them work out can get to Montas and he can find some consistency down the stretch of the season, really bolster up that one-two combo at the top of the Yankees rotation because that would so greatly help them match up against Houston come that possible postseason matchup. Well, we're going to move to the AL Central. AL Central time. We're going to go again from worst to first. And we're starting with the Tigers. The Tigers, what hasn't gone wrong for Detroit this year? Really, you can pinpoint... So many things that have led to the faltering of the Detroit Tigers. After last season, it was a really strong campaign. Everyone thought the future is going to be bright in Detroit. And this year just has not met those expectations at all. They brought in Javi Baez. They thought maybe that's the move that can put them into that playoff picture, playoff race. And it's done the exact opposite. Javi Baez has been the most overpaid player in baseball this year. Blatant, hard stop, no debate in my mind. I mean, he has been horrendous. Some of the swings he's had at the plate, it, borderline major league swings. I mean, these are non-competitive swings on big league breaking balls. I mean, this guy has just been not what the Tigers expected. And they gave him a six-year, $140 million contract. A lot of tenure, a lot of money tied up in a guy who hasn't been producing to nearly the expectations that they thought. Another problem, it's the pitching. The young pitching has not been what they thought. Injuries have hit him. Casey Mize had to get Tommy John. He's going to be out for the rest of this year and probably mostly all of next year. Not not what you want to see. News today, Tarek Skubal, their one bright young pitcher, put in the 60-day IL, probably done for a majority of the rest of the season, if not the entire season this year, and he'll be back next year. Not what you want to see either. Uh, and the rest of the pitching staff, Eric, uh, Eric, excuse me, Eduardo Rodriguez, hasn't been great. Uh, and the bullpen either. They've had some good arms out there, but they dealt him away, got some pieces in return. Uh, they dealt Michael Fulmer to division rival Minnesota, uh, got some pieces back there. So they did all right at the deadline. Didn't really bolster up that farm system. What's the direction for Detroit now? You thought last year could be a building block year to spring forward. This year, it's been the exact opposite. Where do you go? And they also just fired their longtime GM, Alavila of 22 years. He's hit the curb front office rechange. Does Detroit enter another long, long rebuild? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. Um, just kind of an underwhelming year all around for them. Like you said, Javi Baez has been one of their worst players, swinging at pitches that don't even start over the plate and end up in the other batter box. So not something you want to see out of a guy you give a six-year, multi-million-dollar contract, um, not setting a good example for other players. Um, also, too, Miguel Cabrera uh, come out lately that he hasn't been feeling the greatest. Um, we don't know what that means for the rest of this year or next year. So there's something to keep an eye on there. Um, certainly don't want to see Miguel Cabrera go out in an ill way 
Um, he deserves all the best, especially on his way out of the league. But yeah, just a very underwhelming year for Detroit. And where do they go after this? Who knows? Yeah, question certainly is up for debate. We're moving to the fourth place Kansas City Royals. And this is a team who's rebuilding just like Detroit, I'd say now, but they are doing it in a good way. And the future certainly seems brighter in Kansas City right now than it does in Detroit. Uh, it's not been a good year, but no one expected it to be a good year for Kansas City. The pitching was the question going into the season. It's been a problem, but they are starting to address it. That Benintendi trade, they got three young arms back in that deal, just trying to get some arms in that farm system who can show some promise and potential to potentially be uh, future pitchers for the Royals uh, on the big league team one day. I, I like that trade. I mean, you didn't get a whole lot of great value, but you're trading a guy who's a pending free agent on a bounce back year. What more value than that What were you really going to get? I think the Royals did a good job getting fair value back in that trade. Um, but you got to look at the young bats in this lineup. Bobby Witt Jr., the former number one overall pick, uh, he has just been phenomenal. I mean, it's a rookie thing. He's been developing in. I think he's the rookie of the year front runner right now in my mind. He's just he's adjusting. He's showing flashes, and he's really got all five tools like his scouting report said. MJ Melendez has come up. He's been a solid bat behind the dish. Also at first base, he has some positional versatility there. Can also play DH. Uh, and Nick Prado also recently called up. So those are three young bats for Kansas City that I think have a lot of promise and could be staples of this Royals team for years to come. Again, we touched on the questionable pitching, but they're working on it. They're fixing it. They're getting young guys through the system to try to get it up. But also, you can address it through free agency too. Uh, they brought Zach Granke back. He's been salvageable. He's been a guy at the top of the rotation who's just, he can eat innings. He's an inning eater at this point of his career as an older pitcher. Brad Keller's also eaten some innings. So at this point for Kansas City, it's just getting pitchers who can go out there and pitch innings every fifth day. Um, But you know, everyone expected this year to not be the greatest for them. uh, And that's what it's been. But the future pieces are certainly starting to come together for this Royal squad. Yeah. And like you said, expectations are low. Um, No one expected them to be good. Um, they're kind of just doing their thing, letting people develop. Um, and that's really all I have to say. The rookies are playing good. Uh, I think this is going to be a good team in the future in the next couple of years. So they'll, they'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. A lot of development to come there from Kansas City. We're going to shift to the White Sox. And, man, something about teams named the Sox this year and being disappointing. Touched on the Red Sox earlier, and now we're going to the White Sox. I mean, this team was projected to run away with the Central Division uh, at the start of the season. This team was viewed well and above everyone else in this division. It wasn't going to be close. The only team that could possibly push them was the Twins. The Guardians' name was in that discussion, but not really. Uh, But really, ever since Game 1, it's been just nothing but disappointing. The culture in the the clubhouse just doesn't seem there. Tony La Russa is not the right manager for this young team. Uh, He's not energize them at all they've dealt with their fair share injuries as tim anderson just recently got hurt i believe he's out six weeks um and that could push the probably the rest of the season depending on how severe um but you know every team deals with their injuries white Sox have had more than others plenty of them this year but they still have not been able to overcome uh, and get themselves to the top of this division now while only being three games back it's not like they're you know sitting 12 back and they're you know it's it's time's up. No, they're still right in this race, but it's just the feel of this team this year doesn't doesn't have a good feel to it. Doesn't have the right vibe. Doesn't have a feel of a team that's going to make the playoffs. And really, it's disappointing because it feels like a wasted year. 
you have this core in place again. They made playoffs back-to-back years. And now you're going to go, instead of progressing forward, you're going to regress and miss the playoffs. Hate to see it. Yeah, you really do. And another question mark for them, too. What do they do after this year? Do they keep building and trying to go for it next year? Do they take a step back and reevaluate? Who knows? Um, and another thing I want to touch on, they're the most 500 team in MLB history. I mean, this season, 500. Over the last 100 games, 500. Over the last two seasons, nearly 500. In their franchise history, nearly 500. So something about this team just can't seem to have consistently dominating years. So who knows what they do next year? A lot of tough questions for the White Sox front office uh, for the rest of the season going into the offseason. Certainly, we'll see how they evaluate it. Um, we'll talk about it more as that comes because they are they are a team that's definitely going to be interesting to monitor the rest of the way this year. Shifting to the second place, Twins, and they've been about what everyone expected. Not a great team, but good enough to be in this playoff race. They've certainly upgraded the pitching with a lot of the moves. Joe Ryan's been a good arm. Sonny Gray's been good. Uh, you know, just a lot of younger guys in this rotation proving themselves. I really like Joe Ryan. I had him in my fantasy baseball team at one point. I had to make a tough move, drop into the free agent market. But, hey, he, he put in his good work for me. Uh, but, you know, overall, Joe Ryan has been good. Sonny Gray, like I mentioned, those two guys have headlined that starting rotation. And then the bullpen moves. At the deadline, they bolster up the back end, getting Jorge Lopez and Michael Fulmer. Those are two guys who are very solid this year. They put in a lot of good work for their respective clubs and the Tigers and Orioles for coming to Minnesota. I think they're good moves to try to make the end of games less stressful. Uh, and I think they've certainly worked to this point. But right now, you know, it's like I mentioned, the Sox, Twins, and the Guardians are all neck and neck in this AL Central. But for me, I just don't like the Sox. I can't, I, I'm counting them out based on what I've seen this far. I think it's just a, down to the Twins and Guardians to win the Central. The White Sox could prove me wrong, but I mentioned that vibe's bad. The Twins vibe isn't bad. They brought Carlos Correa in. He seems to like Minnesota. Hasn't been what he was in Houston, but he's still been valuable to the team. He's dealt with some injuries also, but you know I think he brings a lot of leadership and value to this Twins club. Uh, and overall, like the moves they made at the deadline again, this team has just been competitive atop the Central. What teams ago? What the expectations were? I think they've met them. Yeah, and uh, with Correa too, just bringing in a guy like that, I mean, just changes the culture. Um, doesn't even matter if he's having that good of a season. Just his his aura that he brings um, to the clubhouse can can change the way other people around him play. So there's one thing. The other thing, like you said, they've added at the deadline, whereas the White Sox, they didn't really make any noticeable additions. Um, I think the Twins made better additions. That will push them and keep them over the White Sox in the division. Also, too, I feel like the Twins are kind of like the AL Central version of the Rays in the AL East. They don't get talked about often, but they're always there fighting for that wild card spot. They get in there every couple of years. I, who knows? They could they could get hot towards the end here. Maybe they'll either win the division or maybe they'll win a wild card game or get in the wild card game. Maybe, but I always feel like the Twins choke come playoff time. You know, they, they do. get in. That is true. And they, they never yes. win. Yes, they get in. And then they get demolished like 8-3 by the Yankees or something like that. Yeah, I think it's been like the Twins are like an historic playoff losing streak. It's like they've yeah. lost like double-digit playoff games in a row. It's been it's sad. It's really yeah. sad for Twins fans. Like they get so excited. Hey, at least the they at least they get there. Yeah, at least they get there. Some other franchises just happen. <laughs> and then their there. dreams get crushed. Yeah. Hey, you can be the Tigers who haven't made it in. 2014, I think. 
It's yeah. been a while. It's been a while since Tiger Sands have seen the playoffs. So at least you have that, Twins. At least he can make it. Uh, we're going to shift to the, right now, first place, Guardians. And they have just found a way to make things work. Uh, they feels like they always find a way to put things together some years compared to others. But really, just this year, some of the pieces they've plugged in and played. Steven Kwan's been a bright rookie. Andres Jimenez has filled in nicely since that trade with the Mets for Francisco Lindor. Ahmed Rosario's also been a solid piece there. J-Ram's the best third baseman in baseball. Uh, the lineup has just found a way to not be a liability for this team. And that's really what's pushed them over the edge. The starting pitching's been good. You have Shane Bieber and Cal Quantrill, very good arms, and also along with Tristan McKenzie. Those three guys headline the top of this rotation. They've been very solid, more Bieber and McKenzie uh, than Quantrill, but Quantrill's just a solid number three. If, if Cal Quantrill is your number three in your rotation, that's pretty good, and that's what the Guardians have. And then you have to, of course, talk about Emmanuel Classe. He's been one of the best closers in baseball, if not the best right up there with Edwin Diaz this year. I mean, he is just pure filthy. He's got that nasty cutter. Everything about Classe's pitch is just, it's all movement and speed, and he has pretty good control of it too, more times than not. So it's just, when you get to the ninth inning against Classe, it feels like you're just not going to get a run this year. It's just the way he's been is so dominant. And that's recipes for success come postseason time. Good pitching, solid closer in the bullpen, and a lineup who has people who are kind of just fly under the radar, but they can just perform. Yeah. Small ball team. They get base hits, get runs around, good pitching. Like you said, Class A, dominant. Mariano S. Cutter. Um, the young guys are playing good. Quan, I mean, to start the year, what was it, like 80, 80 swings and no no swings and misses in a row or something like that to start the year? I mean, no rookie has ever done that. No baseball player has ever done that. So that was insane. Jose Ramirez got out to a crazy hot start, uh, leading the league in RBIs and batting average for a very long time until Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge had something to say about that. But Guardians getting it done, and it um, doesn't look like they're going to stop anytime soon. What they're doing is working for them. And it's a very good point about the small ball. They have the lowest strikeout rate among any team in baseball. Looked it up according to Fangraphs, 18.4% K percentage as a team. That very is, low. That is the best in the league. So they strike out the least amount. They put the ball in play. And really, that's just a recipe for success. Teams that are less strikeout oriented tend to have more success. So Guardians, good recipe this year. like what I've seen from them so far. We're going to go to the AL West, and we're going to try to fly through these a little bit more quickly now. Oakland has been about as bad as everyone expected. I mean, no one expected the A's to be good. They have a lot of guys who are just... So, some people don't even know who these guys are. Like Sky Bolt, before this year, who is that? Who is that guy? It doesn't even sound like a person. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like a baseball player. But no, no disrespect to Sky Bolt. He is in the MLB. Um, but, you know, it was just an example, first guy that came to my mind. Um, but A's are just plugging and playing guys that are like, who are these people? Uh, and, you know, it's just... It's kind of disappointing. They have some good prospects of the future, and really everything positive for the A's is all in the future, because right now it is just horrendous. They, I mean, they are 30 games under 500. It's just all bad, about as bad as you can get. And they've traded about everyone good that they had from a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, last last really good guy I guess they had was, was Montas, and he's he's gone. And they still have um, Ramon Laureano, but that's, I think that's about it. True, true. I think, yeah, I think that's the only... He's like one of the only guys left from their playoff teams a couple years ago. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's bad and then there's really, really bad. And that's exactly where the A's are. I, I mean, mean if you had a tier rank the MLB teams, I think there's two teams in the absolute hot garbage tier and it'd be the A's on uh, the Washington Nationals, and we'll get to the yeah. Nationals in a little bit. But these two teams yeah. are far worse than ever and all the other bad teams. 
Exactly, yeah. It's really disheartening, too, because it almost feels like their ownership does not want to win. No, they don't care. uh, Yeah, exactly, which is also disheartening. I mean, you put out a team, you buy a team, and you would think you want to be competitive, give your fans something good to watch. A watchable product is all they're asking for. Exactly, and quite frankly, it's not watchable. So, not a good look for Oakland. And there was historically low attendance numbers, too, so... Yes. The the product in the field matched the fans in the stands. Yeah, I mean, um, what's like sub three thousand fans? Yeah, I think it was like two thousand seven hundred was like just yeah. the lowest. It was terrible. I mean, Not it was good. just bad. Not good at all. Not good for the sport. We're gonna go to the Angels and where to even start with the Angels? It has been. You want to talk about disappointing? This is astronomically disappointing considering how the season started for this team. You know, they they got off red hot and everyone was like. This is the year. This is the year the Angels put everything together and they get Trout and Otani in the playoffs. Psych. I lied. <laughs> That's not the case. Shohei and the Angels are now sitting fourth place, close to 20-plus games under 500. I mean, it's been as bad as about bad gets. Uh, and I think, I mean, to me, I think Otani is as good as gone in free agency next year. Yeah. Um, they have not been able to build around the two stars. Can't win. And Otani's said now and again, uh, he cares about winning. Winning is his number one priority, and the Angels have not been able to win in a long time. It's been about a decade since the Angels have been really, really good. Uh, 2012, they had 98 wins, I think. That was their, I mean, the best season I can remember from them in a while. So, unfortunate, too, because it's really wasting two guys' primes. Trout, and you got to talk about that Trout injury because that can significantly affect the rest of his career. He said he's fine. He said he'll be back at some point. Um, but... It's just what hasn't gone wrong for the Angels these past couple months. Yeah, scary situation there for Trout. Hope everything is okay for him in the future. But also, too, it's not just wasting two guys who are just normal stars. I mean, these two guys are generational talents, faces of the MLB, and they are just not good. I mean, they always seem to get fans' hopes up at the start of the year. Every, every year, they're like, oh, my God. This is the Angels' year. We're going to see Mike Trout in the playoffs. This is the year Mike Trout gets his World Series ring. And nope, it's gone. And, and gone. <laughs> exactly. Um, like you said, Otani, I think he's gone. I think he's maybe gone to your New York Mets. Who knows? We'll see. Dodgers, see. Mets, Yankees, I think they'll all be in the race. Yeah, big market teams are definitely going to go after him. Uh, I just feel bad for Trout. I don't think – I mean – Will that dude make the playoffs again? That is a serious question at this point. I mean, I don't think he's the type of person to request a trade. But, I mean, when is enough enough? Well, now you have to look at it. Who's going to take on that massive contract with the injury risk at hand? Exactly. You know what? This kind of reminds me of a similar situation. Obviously not the the, uh, caliber of injury and contract and player. But it reminds me of the in the NHL Jack Eichel situation with his neck. Teams were very hesitant about trading for him, and he has a big cap hit of $10 million. Kind of like the same situation here. Yes, Trout's, you know, not going to be out very long-term with a serious surgery looming, but uh, it is a scary situation, a very tough decision for the Angels and Trout. Absolutely. Um, And we're not going to go to the Rangers as we could sit here and talk about the Angels' woes all day long, but the Rangers... I think should be a little bit better considering the amount of money they've spent. They poured a ton of money into the free agent market this offseason, acquiring two big names in Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. And I don't think either of them have performed to the level of expectations that they 
that they get resembling their contracts. Now, it could just be an adjustment year to Texas. Things could get a lot brighter for them next year, and I think Semien's played a lot better as of recent. Seager's been decent too, but I don't think they've played up to their pay grade, and that's been a little, I think, a little bit disappointing for the Rangers. But I digress from that. You got to talk about the surprises too. Martin Perez has been a very good surprise pitcher, made the all-star game, is now hitting at about 2.9 ERA, I believe. Very solid year. I mean, he has just been a, a very good bright spot in this rotation. You have John Gray, who's also been pretty good. So you have some veteran starting pitchers who are decent for this Texas team. But after those two guys, it's kind of just a big drop off. And, you know, where do you go? Where do you get quality arms from here? You have Jack Leiter on the way. He's going to be a stud. The farm system is really good. And the future is definitely going to be bright. But for now, I think for this year and possibly next year, it's been bad this year. I think it's going to be a little bit, I think it's going to be still bad next year. But I think in two to three years, this Rangers group, they're going to have a core there and they're going to be quite competitive out there in that AL West. And I think they're, give, they're the next biggest future threat, I think, to Houston. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, like you said, I mean, I don't think they're going to be competing for the playoffs these next couple of years. But like you said, they're building a core. And it starts with Semyon and Seeger at the middle infield. Um, you know, I think that's where they start building it out. You know, they add each year, get a little bit better each year, and then that's when they start going for it. So I didn't really expect much from them this year. I did expect them to be a little better than they are. But, um, you know, I don't think they're ready to make that next push. So I kind of think they're in a wait-and-see period, see what they could add in the offseason, see what pieces they can move around and get assets for um, for the immediate future. So uh, Rangers definitely on the quick come up. Absolutely. And I think Chris Young in that front office is down uh, in Texas. They're going to have a video, busy offseason ahead trying to address yep. the weaknesses of this team. And I think it's a lot of it's on the pitching side. Also, too, I mean, they're going to want to start getting competitive, too, because they just built a new new stadium and they uh, they need to make some money. So they're going to want to be exciting the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a very nice stadium at that time. That's a very good point. We're going to go to the Mariners and the Mariners... Their deadline showed that they're trying to end this 21-year playoff drought. They have had enough of sitting on the couch when it comes to postseason time. They want to get back in. They want to They want to be right there in the, in the bright lights of the postseason. And I think the Luis Castillo trade really showed just how serious they are this year about getting to the playoffs. Um, Jerry Depoto is not messing around anymore up there in the Seattle GM spot in the front office. This trade signifies so much, not only for the now, but the but for the potential future for this Seattle squad. They trade three top five prospects going back to Cincinnati. Very good trade for the Reds, by the way. I liked what they got for Castillo. But for the Mariners, it also has its benefits because now you can complement the top of this rotation with a one-two punch of Robbie Ray and Luis Castillo. Two very solid arms, guys who've pitched very well, respectively. Robbie Ray, reigning Cy Young, he hasn't been that level this year, but he's still been pretty decent. He's been a decent starter. Um, and also, I mean, some of the lineup pieces, Ty France, he has come out and had a really solid year at the dish, uh, along with some other guys. They have some young guys. Kellenick's still looking rough, but he has time. He's still quite young. Um, Sam Haggerty's been pretty good. He's slotted in. He had a big home run against Nestor Cortez the other day uh, against the Yankees in that series. Um, but the Mariners, I like where they're going. Second in the West, second wild card spot. I think when it's said and done, they break the drought and get in the playoffs. I like it. One guy, forgot to mention, rookie, J-Rod. Julio Rodriguez. I mean, how electric is this guy? So young, so good. Uh, I mean, he's just 
electric. Like I said, uh, wins. Did he win the home run derby? No, no, he lost. No, Juan Soto. Yes, correct. Um, but made it to the finals. Um, that was awesome to watch. First of all, I mean, he was just mashing those balls at a Dodger stadium. Pause. Um, but uh, you know, the Mariners in general are just an electric young team. Uh, like you said, the Castillo trade. I really like it. Yes, they did give up a decent haul back to uh, Cincinnati. But it shows that they want to win now. And they want to make the playoffs and start winning. And what does that go to show you for Rodriguez, too? You know, as soon as they call him up, they're going to start and try and build a core around him. So I really like the Mariners. Absolutely. And, of course, J-Rod, I mean, you have to mention him when talking about this Mariners squad. I mean, he's just so electric. He brings that energy to the ballpark like the Mariners days with A-Rod and Griffey. And I'm not saying he's a Ken Griffey player, but he just brings that energy and he has all the talent in the world to be a very solid player. So Julio Rodriguez, very young player, very exciting to watch and very good for Seattle for the foreseeable future. I don't think it's a coincidence. A-Rod. J-Rod. J-Rod. Both started in Uh, Seattle. Exactly. Hey, I mean, if he he carves out the career that A-Rod had... Without all the... Uh, sure, I'll take him on the Yankees. Give him, give him to me right now. I mean, I'm sure you would take that. Shifting to our final AL team, though, the Houston Astros. And we're going to be quick with this one because what what bad do you have to say about this team? They are the best team in the American They're League so in my good. mind. They're just so good. I mean, they have pieces everywhere. I mean, their starting rotation's good. Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Justin Verlander, the bounce back season that he's having. He looks like his prime self again. He's just that good. Um, Jordan Alvarez is elite. He is an elite hitter. He mashes. Uh, and, you know, Bregman's been good. Altuve's been what he's been. Jeremy Pena, the young shortstop, he stepped up and been good. Yuli Gurriel's had a little bit of a down year. Kyle Tucker hasn't reached a superstar status like some thought he would, but he's still been very good. So many great pieces for this Astros team. And, of course, you got Ryan Presley, Rafael Montero, and company uh, back in that back in the uh, back end of the bullpen. I don't see any really glaring weaknesses for this Astro squad. They could really go back to another World Series and it would shock nobody. Yeah, just a very solid team all around. They've very little to no holes uh, all throughout their organization. Um, and like you said, Verlander, uh, nearly Cy Young worthy. He might just win the AL Cy Young, uh, which is crazy to think about at his age. So Astros, dominant, definitely a lot to win the AL West. Absolutely. We're going to go now to the National League, and we're going to try to you know, get through some of these low-end teams quicker uh, and speed things up here so that way we don't drag on for too much time. But we're going to start with Washington. Garbage. Just hot trash. Just down there, like I said, with the athletics. Full-blown rebuild. Farm system it got bolstered up from that Juan Soto trade. Patrick Corbin's got to be the worst starting pitcher in baseball, and things are rough. Um, that That's really all I got. Yeah. Patrick Corbin, worst pitcher in baseball history. These past couple years. I mean, it's just been, he's just <laughs> yeah. been objectively bad. Like, he gets the ball every fifth day, and it's just. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to lose today. Patrick Corbin's on the mound. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, not like, that, that. not like they're going to win when he's not pitching, but you're, you're, you know, they're going to lose. Like, other days, yeah, they might have a chance, but Corbin's pitching, loss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but that's really all we got in the Nationals. Marlins. The weaknesses of the lineup. The lineup's been bad. I mean, there's a couple guys who've been good, uh, but it's really without Jazz Chisholm, this team is just this lineup has no juice in it at all. 
Uh, and really, all the excitement for this team comes from the starting rotation with Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, on the young arms of Edward Cabrera, uh, and the list goes on. I mean, th- those three guys are very exciting to watch. But, man, can this line- if this lineup could hit, the Marlins would be one of the most dangerous teams in baseball. Yeah, but they can't, and they're not one of the best teams in baseball. They're one of the worst, um, and it seems like they've been for the last couple of years. They made the playoffs, what, in the COVID year? They uh, made the playoffs in the COVID year, right? Yes, they did. Yeah, okay. Um, so other than that, but they've been they've been pretty bad lately. Um, and that was a surprise year, too, when they made the playoffs that COVID exactly, year. Exactly, yeah. Short in season two, so eh. But, uh, yeah. Disappointing year for the Marlins. Absolutely. We're going to move to the Phillies, and they've been surging as of late. Just beat the Mets tonight, 2-1 in extras as a Mets fan. For me, that was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but the Phillies have been good. It's been undeniable. The starting rotation has been very solid. The bullpen has improved. Uh, and this lineup has been surprisingly solid still without Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper carried a lot of the juice of this team, but the lineup has still been very good without him. And now they're without Schwarber, too. Impressive win tonight over the Mets, um, as much as that hurts me to say. You have to give the respect to where respect is. Uh, where, you have to give credit to where credit's due, and you got to give credit to the Phillies for the way they've been playing lately. It's been good down in South Philly. Yeah, one of the hottest teams in the league. Let's see if they can keep it up. Make uh, make the NL East a little, little tougher between the Braves and the Mets. Let's see if they uh, can tighten it up. Absolutely. The only question I have is, do we think the pitching will last? I'm not sold for sure, but for right now, it's been pretty good. Yep. Got to move to the Braves, and the reigning World Series champs are among the National League's best yet again, sitting 21 games over 500 with their win in Miami tonight, 67-46. and 46. Uh, Kyle Wright has been a great piece in that starting rotation. He's been a surprise guy. Uh, Max Freed's been consistent. Uh, the pitching for this team is really the strength. The lineup's also really good, but the pitching, the starting, and especially the bullpen, they have one of, if not the best bullpens in baseball. Michael Harris has been a very solid rookie on the come up. I uh, called him straight up from Double A. Matt Olson in that trade, he's just been about what the Braves expected. And Austin Riley's been an MVP caliber bat this year in this Braves lineup. So a lot of positives for Atlanta. They want to get Ozzy Albies back as soon as possible. Um, but other than that, a lot of bright spots for Atlanta. Yeah, just a very solid team. Um, really, the only team I view as a threat to the Mets in this division. Um, but the Mets are widening that gap here uh, for the division lead. Yep, now, with the, uh, now the Mets have a six-game lead after today, but uh, we're going to talk about the Mets now, and I think they've been right up there with the Dodgers in terms of being the team to beat in the National League. Now 73-40, and 40, they are, as watching so much bad baseball from the Mets the past couple years, this year has been a fresh, fresh new look. The experience from Buck Walter as the manager has brought a new culture to this clubhouse. Max Scherzer coming in. Steve Cohen and now Billy Epler in the front office expanding the checkbooks, bringing in really anyone they'd be willing to get. Billy Epler with good deadline moves. It's just been a fresh breath of air as a Mets fan to watch this team this year and to watch how high quality of baseball they've played compared to years past. 2021 was looking good. The collapse. 2020, the COVID year, one of the best offensive teams in Major League history couldn't somehow make the playoffs in a shortened year. 2019, the summer was looking interesting, fell apart again. Uh, In 2018 and 2017, Bad leadership overall. And then we're going back way beyond the playoff runs at this point. But I could digress. I digress as I could go back in Mets history all day long. But the Mets have been very solid this year. One of the best starting rotations. A lineup that puts the ball in play with the third lowest K rate in the major leagues. And a solid back end bullpen pieces with Diaz and Adebino. And now getting Michael Givens to compliment them as a 7th or 8th inning guy potentially now with Trevor May and Adebino in the mix too. Really a lot to like from the Mets. 
um, despite their loss tonight. It's just been so good all year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Buck, he uh, brought in new everything, new culture, new new energy. It just seems like a whole different team. Um, from what they had, it really, you could say in their history, uh, it just feels different. And uh, I know you like the sound of that, Jack. And I really do think that it's going to be, um, like you said, the Yankees-Astros in the ALCS. I think it's going to be the Mets, Dodgers, NLCS. I think those are going to be the final four teams. Yes, it's easy to say that as those are the best four teams in the league. But, I mean, I really view it like that. I mean, that would be a phenomenal, another phenomenal playoff series to watch. Um, but now we're going to go to the NL Central, and we're going to clump the bottom three teams together because they're all so close in record. Their futures, depending, uh, are different. But I think they're all so close right now that we can just talk about them together. We're going to start with the Reds. Started 3-22, and have overcome that to now put themselves right back even with the Pirates and the Cubs for the, for the final three spots in this National League Central Division. The Castillo trade, I talked about it earlier, bolstered the farm system, gave him some more top prospects, headlined by Noel V. Marte, who sits 18th in the MLB Pipeline rankings at this point of the season. And a pair of young starters in Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green, who have shown flashes of being very good starting pitchers uh, in the major leagues for years to come in Cincinnati. I think the future looks bright for the Reds. They have a lot of good prospects. But for right now, it's it's a little doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, like you said, they're waiting for the future. Kind of in a wait-and-see period like a lot of other teams in the league right now. Building up that prospect pool. Once they're ready to go for it, I'm sure they're stuck going for it. Absolutely. It's just a building phase right now for the Reds. We're going to go to the Pirates, and the Pirates are a team who's very interesting. They've had some guys at the major league level show some glimpses of being good. Jack Sawinski, O'Neill Cruz, of course. He has all the talent in the world, has a 6'7 shortstop with a hose of an arm, and has very uh, very good speed as well to complement that. So really the definition of a 5 tool potential player. It's just a wait and see if you can put it together at the big league level at this point. And they have a, plenty more pieces on the way. Henry Davis. Um, they have Nick Gonzalez. Uh, Quinn, Quinn Priester, I believe. Priester is his name. As a, uh, as, as a starting pitcher. So a lot of guys on the way um, for the Pirates. And they've already shown some guys at the big league level now that have uh, have have shown some promise. So I think I think the future for Pittsburgh is very very good. Yeah, one uh, one young guy you forgot to leave. Oh, you left out there it was uh, Brian Hayes. They got him. Um, very solid third baseman there for them in the future. Um, but yeah, Pittsburgh also another team that's building towards their future. They got a lot of good pieces. O'Neill Cruz, wow. I mean, jack of all trades. He's got so many things in his back pocket. Um, yeah, he's going to be really exciting to watch in the future. And I think their team will be too. Absolutely. Now we're going to go to the third team, the Cubs. And they don't. I don't think they have as bright of a future as these uh, other two teams. They don't have the prospect pool to match up with these other two squads. And really, right now, where do you go? The pitching hasn't been good. I mean, Drew Smiley's been decent. Stroman hasn't been what they thought he'd be. It's just a lot of question marks in that starting rotation right now. They traded Robertson out of the bullpen. Uh, but other than that, and they also trade Chris Martin to the Dodgers. But where do you go? This lineup, it's, Nico Horner's a very good piece. Nick Madrigal's young. We can see what he can do. Um, but really, other than that, say a Suzuki, another good spot there. But where do Contreras and Hap leave in the offseason? What happens there? And for a team that's got a mid-of-the-pack farm system, 
I don't think the future is that bright for Chicago. And then they're going to have to pick a direction sooner rather than later. Do they try to push and go for it? Or do they go and try to enter a rebuild and get this thing back on the tracks to see if they can compete for the playoffs in a couple of years down the road? Yeah, and they need to make a decision uh, this offseason at the latest on what they're going to do if they don't even already have that decision made. Because, um, quite frankly, I did not like their deadline. I think they could have sold a lot more pieces and got a lot more uh, prospects for them to rebuild that farm system. And quite frankly, they just did not. And uh, they're in a very weird time period. They're keeping guys who they should not have kept. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just sitting there doing nothing. Absolutely. Now we're going to pair the top two in the Central together, the Brewers and the Cardinals, as these two teams are very close in the title race for the Central like it's been the past couple of years. For Milwaukee, the starting, pitch was never the, starting pitching was never the question. Uh, and while the lineup has been all right and consistent, uh, too, but according to Fangraphs, they rank better in advanced stats than standard counting stats. Take that for what you will, um, because they're in a they're a top 10 rated offense according to advanced stats, but to standard stats, they sit at 18th ranks in offense. So, you know, interesting to look at the numbers, see what you could take away from that, and that's really up to independent view. But I just thought that was something that interesting to an interesting note to bring up here. But back to the pitching. The starting rotation, very good. Corbin Burns, he's been a stud. Uh, Brandon Woodruff's been solid. Uh, you got Freddie Peralta back. And, of course, uh, Eric Lauer's been pretty decent this year as a southpaw, too. But the bullpen outside of Devin, Devin Williams and a couple few select others, not been good at all. And I think the bullpen has really hurt this Brewers team. They've had to throw a lot of guys in there, but that doesn't justify a playoff team who's been in the race the past couple years having a faulty bullpen. That's really going to cost you on the stretch. Yeah, I just feel like they're a very bland team. Um, I know that you feel like that way too uh, these past couple of years. They're just kind of eh. They're like, yeah, they're good. They don't really do anything flashy. They kind of just are there. They win. They get the job done. They're like are they the good Rays. enough? Exactly. Are they good enough to really win in the playoffs? Maybe around. Maybe. But uh, they're, uh, I don't know. The ceiling I, I like isn't hot. Exactly. The ceiling, the ceiling is not high for the roof. Exactly. Yeah. As Michael Jordan once said, I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. What what a quote. Top five quote of all time in my mind. Oh, I mean, yeah. that, is just a, that is just a meme quote for the ages. But we're going to go on to the Cardinals, and they're, they're just a solid ball club. Top 10 lineup headline, but of course, Arenado and, M- and MVP candidate Paul Goldschmidt at this point. A good back end of the bullpen headlined by... A very bright spot, a very good bright spot, a guy who's really developed out of nowhere, Ryan Helsley. He's been so good. And, of course, you get Giovanni Gallegos back there as well. And, of course, in the starting rotation, Adam Wainwright's been as consistent as they come despite his old age and believe 40 years old now. And Miles Michaelis has had a good bounce back year along the top of the rotation too. And they expect to get Jack Flaherty back at some point this season probably around late August, early September. So when he's healthy and fully roaring, he's a guy who is a ace-caliber pitcher. So the Cardinals have a lot to like, uh, and they have a lot to look forward to with the return of Flaherty. Yeah, just a very solid team all around. Pitching good, bullpen good, hitters mostly very good. Um, defensively, pretty damn good. Um, I like them a lot. I think uh, I think they'll be right up there with the Dodgers and Mets for uh, the teams to uh, – to be last eliminated in the playoffs. Yeah, and of course, the deadline additions of Jose Quintana and Jordan Montgomery as southpaw starting pitchers have really erased the question marks in the rotation in terms of depth-wise. 
I think the front office for St. Louis did a really good job at the deadline addressing some of the needs of this team. Now to the final division though, the NL West, and you got to start going out to the high altitude course field on the Colorado Rockies. The main story for Colorado is it's been good at course field, abysmal on the road. And that's just how it's been this year. If you look at the home road record splits, Colorado 32 and 28 at home, 18 and 36 on the road. I mean, those splits are astronomically different. And if they could be even close to 500 on the road, they'd be in the playoff discussion. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right in the head again. Um, an okay team that plays really good at home uh, and really bad away. That's so really all you got to take on the Rockies. Okay. Future, interesting how it's going to go. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. Who do you build around in this team? CJ Crone's an older piece, but he's good. Uh, but they also rank in the bottom half of the league in pitching and hitting, so that's a recipe for failure. Yeah. Going on to Arizona and a team that has improved tremendously from their horrendous 2021 campaign. If you look back to last year, this Arizona Diamondbacks team was the laughing stock of baseball. They are even worse than what the Nationals are this year, I think. They they were just that bad. Yeah. Like, they, they were, hey, we're playing the D-backs on our schedule. Sweet. We're going to get a two, at least two out of three, possibly even a sweep. I mean, exactly. it's just, you're looking at this team, it's like, cakewalk, free wins. Um, but this year, that has not been the case. Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly have been two very solid starting pitchers at top of this rotation. And Merrill Kelly's really had a good surprise year for Arizona. Of course, you have Ketel Marte, who they just resigned to a five-year deal. He is the best player in this lineup. And they traded David Peralta to the Rays at the deadline. But not a great season thus far, but a future that looks very bright with three top 100 prospects, and of course, Drew Jones, the number two overall pick, who will be on the way as well. I think a lot of good prospects are going to be coming through this Arizona system, and the future does look pretty good out there in the desert. Yeah, a very bright uh, bright farm system, a lot of exciting prospects, and I think I think they start building every year now. I think they, they're going to get more and more competitive, start building around some of these key guys that you mentioned, and uh, they'll be on the come up in the next couple of years. Absolutely. We're going to go to San Francisco and this team is also at another interesting juncture in, in the road here. Where do you go? It's a fork in the road. you got two directions. Where does this team go? You, they just don't have the same magic that they did in 2021. This is a team coming off a year where they won 107, 107 games, was right there with the Dodgers, and I believe won the division over the Dodgers. Uh, and they, they had a dogfight series in the LDS that saw the Dodgers go to the NLCS to lose to the Braves. But this team just doesn't have the same feel. The pitching is still good with Rodon and Webb at the top of this rotation. You have guys like Alex Cobb as well. Alex Wood, he's been all right. And Jacob Junis has been decent as well. And also a couple good bullpen pieces in John Brebbia and the flamethrowing closer Camilo Doval, who I believe registered a 103-mile-an-hour cutter the other day, which is astronomically fast if that is a confirmed thing. But uh, it's been the lineup that has really plagued this team. Really, really plagued this team. Belton Crawford falling off a lot and really just no more career, uh, just after career years, falling off. We're going to go to San Diego now. Um, and now they, they've gone all in. Soto and Hayter trades at the deadline. San Diego said, farm system, don't care. We can rebuild that. We're going all in now for at least the next couple years. Very solid bullpen. Soto adds a lot to that lineup. Uh, but with the Tati suspension now breaking news tonight, 80 games PED use. And A.J. Preller, the GM of the team, came out and said, and questioned the maturity of Fernando Tatis Jr. He said, things like this are a recurring pattern. Are you mature enough to be a professional baseball player? And right now, you do have to question that. His attitude is a problem. He got injured in a motorcycle accident in the offseason, which led to the hand injury. Um, 
So it's enough fun time for Tatis, and you really got to be serious because they gave him that contract extension. So the long injury due to a um, because of a avoidable an avoidable injury, and now the PED suspension. So really, it's been a rough couple years for Fernando Tatis Jr. But going back to the Padres now this year, starting rotation is good. Joe Musgrove, Soto makes them even more dangerous. This is a very good ball club in San Diego. Yeah, very good team that would have been even better with Tatis coming back with with what would have been the next couple of weeks. Um, And I'm sure the front office is very mad at Tatis um, because I think they went it all in this trade deadline expecting Tatis to be back rounding out this team because Tatis was going to be just like a deadline acquisition. You know, you slot him in a couple weeks after the deadline, you get Soto and Hayter. Drury was a great ad at the deadline, underrated ad. Uh, you know, they went all out, and this Tatis blow is huge because they traded away C.J. Abrams. I'm sure they would have loved to keep him if they found this out earlier. Absolutely, and now you just got to continue to roll with what you got. You don't really yep. have much depth in the middle infield stuff. Um, but, you know, I just want to go back to San Francisco a little bit, just touch on them. I didn't fully get the point-by-points across here, but then we'll go to our last team in the Dodgers. Bowen Crawford took significant steps back after careers last year, and you know this lineup has really been the problem for them. But it, that ties into San Diego too, because in June before they got Soto, the lineup was really the problem for them. No one was hitting. Manny Machado was the main guy carrying this lineup for the first two months of the year. He fell off a little bit in June and July, and then it really led to this whole lineup struggling, which is why they went out and got Soto to help bolster this lineup up. And of course, they envisioned Machado, Tatis, and Soto all playing together. That now that's not the case, but. You know, the two San teams, San Diego and San Francisco, lineups have been questionable this year. And I think if there's one thing that holds the Padres back, it's their lineup. Final team is the Dodgers. I mean, don't have to spend a lot of time on them. Does anything else to me need to be said? It is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dustin May's coming back, starting rotation elite, especially Walker Bueller going to be coming back, along with Julio Arias, Clayton Kershaw. Bullpen's very good. Bruce Dark Gratterall. Uh, of course, you got Craig Kimbrell, who's been all right. Uh, but you have Evan Phillips and a bunch of other quality arms out there in that bullpen. Of course, the lineup, top three with Betts, Turner, and Freeman. I mean, what else do you have to say? This Dodgers group is elite. And heck, even Joey Gallo's starting to hit now. So maybe he just needed his beard back. Joey Gallo. Yeah, Joey Gallo. But uh, he's starting to hit. He's got the beard back. And he said in an interview he loved his beard. And I don't know what kind of voodoo curse he put on the Yankees, but they've been scuffling since they've traded him. Yeah, I don't really like that. Um, I wanted Gallo gone. I think he's a lot hot of Yankee garbage. fans did. Yeah, I think he's hot garbage at baseball, um, and all the stats back that up. Um, you know, he's but also too, he's doing what he should be doing with the Dodgers. I mean, he's still batting a little bit over two. I think he's batting like two sixty six with the Dodgers. Okay, yes, yeah, better than the one sixty four he was batting with the Yankees. Um, but that that'll die down. He's pitching. Uh, he's doing a pinch hitting um, with the Dodgers, starting every couple of games. Um, you know, good for him. He's a great guy. But it didn't work out with the Yankees. But the Dodgers, very dangerous. I mean, when are they not? Um, Freddie Freeman having a great year. Um, that whole situation with Freeman and his agent and the Braves that was all messed up. But we'll talk about that in future episodes, I'm sure. Um, I just think Dodgers. Right up there. Yankees, I don't think they're the best team in baseball anymore over these recent slides they're having. I think the Dodgers uh, are the uh, the clear number one, but the Mets and Yankees is close to. I think if you had to power rank the top five teams in baseball, I'd say one, 
Dodgers, two Mets, three Astros, four Yankees, and slotting in at five, it would Cardinals, probably maybe. be the Braves. Or the Braves, yes. I like that. I like. I'm high on the Cardinals. You know, my Yankees went in there, San, Di- uh, San Diego, St. Louis, and uh, they gave us fits. I mean, granted, we're going through a bit of a slide right now, but I really like what I saw from the Cardinals. Yeah, they're a fighting team, you know, and they, they've really seen to put things together here. Uh, really, after the All-Star break, they've been playing quite well. Um, but that's going to do it for us. Um, great return episode. A lot of MLB talk. Next week, we'll we'll do some more MLB updates, current news, and we'll start to talk about NFL training camp a little bit as the season is right around the corner. Thank everybody for tuning in. A lot of platforms to get it on. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many more, wherever you get your podcast, really. Um, but once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week.